Your beautiful parched holy mouth. This is by Hafiz. A poet is someone who can pour light into a spoon, then raise it to nourish your beautiful parched holy mouth. That's it? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up. It's always fun to get started with the talks. You know, it's, it's often the meditation where it's a technique of, you could say, attuning ourselves as well as opening ourselves to really that movement of loving. And really that's all we're doing in meditation is just making ourselves available so that we can begin to awaken and become aware of that inner movement of spirit. And then the rest just unfolds. And it's just a matter of us really coming back over and over, attentively, watching, listening, allowing ourselves to be open to experience the greater movement of loving that spirit is. And so it's a continual process where not only at times in meditation like this, but even through the day, where it's just, what are we doing within ourselves? Where are we holding our attention? What are we allowing ourselves to participate with? Where is our attention caught up? And one of the things is, in this element of the world, when I say the world, I mean this realm of time and space, from the etheric realm down through the mind, emotions, imagination, the body, that that element of the mind is so powerful in this realm of time and space, in these worlds, and that mind is always pulling on the soul to focus down and out, to have experience. And it does its job very well by ever getting us caught up, paying attention, hooked into, caught in the belief of what the mind is sharing with us is real. And so we, the soul, focus into the mind and then as the mind focuses, it focuses down through the emotions, the imagination, and down into the body, so that we really fully participate in all these levels of time and space. And many of us have heard of all these terms of the devil and eternal damnation. You're going to hell. You're already there. There's no way out unless you believe. Then you even wonder because you don't really know. There's all these things that the mind has always, in a sense, run upon the soul so that it keeps the soul entrapped and focused into the world because it is a soul that gives life to all of this creation, this creation of what we call the illusion or the reflection. And boy, it certainly appears pretty real, doesn't it? In one sense, it is real. What's real, though, is the experience of the soul, not the illusion itself, but the soul's experience and its journey through this land of reflection of what we call the illusion, because it is the reflection. But don't worry. 
Don't bother yourself in contemplating the illusion or the reflection. Focus on where it is you wish to go and what you wish to experience as your journey continues to unfold. So this realm of mind, this element of the mind that is also powerful in this realm of time and space that entraps the soul, that it, in a sense, you could say, is the ultimate power of this realm of time and space. But yet, there is a greater power. But yet, in this world, we know not of it, except those that are journeying upon this path of return to where that ultimate power that rests beyond the mind. And often we call those souls the seekers, those that are seeking the truth of spirit, that which does reside beyond the mind in this realm of time and space. And so we begin that journey of seeking, of finding our way out, that some part of us somehow knows or longs at least to discover that truth that we hear about, that we hope, that we wish, that we think maybe it's real. Maybe there is something beyond this world of illusion and all that I see and hear that seems to be, but yet I hear, I hear it called an illusion, but yet appears so real. And so we begin to search and seek out, experimenting, trying so many different things from religions and churches, pagan rituals, psychic, astrology, palm reading, meditation, prayer, you name it. It's part of the journey. Seek and you shall find. Because in that seeking is a discovery of what really is this greater truth that we call divine, that we call loving. What really is this greater truth? How do we find it? Not only that, how do we know it when we even do find it? How will we know? by one's own experience. Because we, the soul, will never stop. Even once we find the truth, and even once we know what the truth is, we won't stop. Because life is never ending. That's the eternal part. In this world, yes, there's a beginning and an end. But the life eternal is the true unfolding of the soul's journey that never ends. But that journey of loving is so vastly different than what we experience here. In that journey, we don't mind it going on. In this world, we all have our ups and downs where we wish this life would be over, or at times when we wish this life would continue because we're in one of those upswings where things are good. But then we want to get the hell out of here when we're in one of those downswings where things are bad. But that's part of, sometimes called, the pleasure-pain principle. Those things that would keep us wanting to stay here, and then those things that would keep us from not wanting to stay here, to get out. And so we're always back and forth, because that's what this world does, is it runs its game upon the soul, to always keep it focused into this ocean of life in this world. And even in the name of religion and the name of God. Good is God, right? That's good. That must be God. That's bad. That must be evil. 
And so we're always focused on the good. And what do we do as we focus on the good? We think we're going to God, but do we really know it? When we come to that point, when we realize we don't really even know what God is or what good is as it's taught, because we don't have our own experience, and eventually that's when we really do seek out to have our own experience, to really know what is this good, what is this God, and for that matter, what is this bad or evil? And the problem that we run up against, or the challenge, however we want to look at it, maybe the opportunity, is that when we look at one thing as good, and another's labeled as bad, and all we want to do is focus on the good, what happens, even unconsciously? We will set up resistances within ourselves against the bad. So where's the loving in that? Where's the acceptance in that? We hear about forgiveness, but if we're not supposed to go into the bad, and that's bad, isn't that really creating a state of fear and judgment? Even when we talk about forgiveness, is true forgiveness still living? The belief of we must do good and never enter into the bad? And so the polarities of the world, always pulling us left and right, back and forth, always setting up the resistances, the reactions, the belief systems of the good and the bad. And so we find ourselves in what seems to be an eternal struggle back and forth in this world. Until what? Well, quite often it's until we've had enough where we're just so darn tired and worn out from this whole process of left and right, back and forth, up and down. That at those times we think on the upswing, things are changing, things are getting good. And then all of a sudden, we're dragged right back down. Things are the way they've always seemed. No change. But yet, we have that eternal hope. So we keep trying something new. This is going to do it. This is going to fix it. This is going to cure me. This is going to bring me to that state of freedom. And once again, we hit another wall of disappointment. But there does come that day when we've had enough of the good and the bad, of the high hopes and the unmet expectations or disappointments, that we finally come to the place within ourselves that we choose to give it all up. To heck with it. God, I give up. I surrender. I let go, and now I let you. Let go and let God. So, one day we find ourselves coming to that place of surrender where we truly let go of trying to make sense of it, trying to make it this way or that way, or trying to resist or avoid an aspect of life experience because we realize that gets us nowhere other than in judgment and fear and caught up in the challenge. So eventually we come to the place where we truly let go. And in that letting go, something begins to change. Sometimes drastically, and other times, so subtly, that we find ourselves in a different place. Truly in a different place. 
The wonderful thing is, when that greater, truly in a different place, takes place within us, we know it's different because we have not experienced it before. We find ourselves experiencing something new that is not just a repetition of the old. And so that's what we look for, to look for that difference where we know within ourselves it is not the same of what we've been running our our whole lives. And that's the greater seeking. That newness is the very thing to continue pursuing because it is in the pursuit of that that we find ourselves entering new territory, the territory of the greater truth, the spirit. But then a new challenge is upon us. And that challenge often is called the fear of the unknown. Oh my God, it's new. I don't know what this is. Oh my God, what if it's bad? What if it's good? I don't know. I'm too scared to take a step and find out. That's part of the journey. It's part of the challenge. What do they call it? The leap of faith? If I jump off the cliff, am I going to fly or just go splat? Well, you're not going to know until you take the leap. That's how we find out. And sometimes we go splat. And then we find ourselves still alive. My God, what was that fear then? I thought I was going to go splat and die. Well, I did go splat. But my gosh, I'm still alive. What now? What do I do? Well, shit, that was a long drop. Maybe I better (laughs) climb back up there and try it again. Or maybe find a different mountain to climb and a different cliff to jump off of. Because there are the mountains in this world where we do go splat, but yet we live. But then there's those other mountains, those mountains in spirit, where we do climb those mountains and we begin to wake up and realize the greater truth of spirit, where we, the soul, when we take that leap of faith from there, our soul takes flight and we know the greater truth of our soul's freedom in being able to fly where gravity does not pull us down to keep repeating those patterns, the entanglements in the world of the mind, the emotions, and the body, but where we, the soul, begin to truly take flight. What happens when we take flight? We begin to rise above all the elements of the world that would draw us into themselves. We begin to get altitude, we begin to get a higher perspective. We begin to rise above the elements of the world and see whether it's visually or feeling or just knowing the greater truth of what that is. To really begin to know that in our own experience, not somebody telling us, but our own experience in that is what this pathway of sound and light is about, is truly a pathway of our own personal experience where our soul takes flight and comes to know the greater truth of the divine. But often, this soul flight 
of awakening and moving into those great heights of spirit where we do know the divine? Well, there's the first start of any journey, the first steps of that journey. We're first in those beginning steps. We're still in the old, that which we've been running over and over. The base of the mountain, the old right and wrong. All we did was get a taste of the greater truth or a glimpse or a feeling, a little subtle shift that begins to stir that inner knowing awake. So we begin to pursue it. We begin the journey. And so in the beginning, we often find ourselves challenged because we still see all the old stuff around us still doing its thing that we're so tired of, but yet something else inside of us has been stirred awake. And so the challenge is to keep walking, to keep taking step after step, to move towards the new, that inner stirring of that inner knowing, to be willing to let go and step out of the old, and to move forward. But often we feel stuck, and we feel the weight pulling us down, sometimes hard to even take a step. So what do we do in those times when we find it challenging to take a step? What do we do? Well, often in the beginning, many of us, maybe all of us, will whine, complain, cry, yell, throw a tantrum, get angry, get upset, you name it. How many of us cheer for joy when we're feeling that way? Woohoo! yeah, I'm stuck, all right. That'd be interesting to try that one out. Try it sometime, you might be surprised. Maybe that's what it takes to finally unstick ourselves. I found that to be true. Because what are we doing when we celebrate being stuck in hell, what are we doing? We are moving into loving and acceptance of what is right now. And that's what begins to set the soul free from the stickies of the world. Because you see, in simplicity, the movement of spirit lifts us inwards and upwards, where the movement of the mind moves us down and out. And down and out is what gets us stuck. The weight of the world, the weight of the mind, the weight of karma. I often like to say it's like gravity. It keeps pulling us down, and the heavier the load, the harder it is to move. So it's what we do inside of ourselves and where we focus to begin to lighten the load. Because it's in the lightening of the load that we're able to begin to take those steps. The lightening of the load is up to us to now focus and do that inner and upward pull. That's why they call it enlightenment. It's funny all these terms. Enlightenment. That's right. 
The more you lighten the load, the higher you go, the more you see, the more you're enlightened. And it's easier to take those steps in that continuing journey. So when you find yourself loaded down, stuck, simply begin to change your focus to that inner and upwards movement. And yes, at times we can use affirmations and saying, Yay! I'm stuck! All right! Thank you, Lord! That can be fun. I really mean try that sometimes. That may be all it takes to shift that place within us that is stuck. To get a different perspective, we have to change where we are within ourselves to get that different perspective. That's our responsibility. Nobody's going to do it for us, not even God, except for you, the God that you are. Because this journey is about you, the God that you are, and your journey of experience. And what's the other way besides celebrating and loving and accepting the moment of where we are? Well, there is this thing we call initiation. Or, well, what takes place in initiation? What are we given? We are given a sacred name. But what is that sacred name? Often it's been referred to as the power of the name. The word of God. The voice of God. The unspoken name. That is that greater power that I was speaking of in the beginning that is stronger than the mind. And that is what the soul needs to overcome the mind, to rise above the mind, to step beyond the gravitational pull of experience in this world. But what is that power of that name that we receive in initiation? It's not just the words that we hear, that we go inside and chant and sing and are loving with God. That power that is in that name given in initiation is the very living, loving essence of God itself that is the ultimate source and power in all of creation and beyond. And so, as we receive that name and we receive that power and we enmesh ourselves Involve ourselves, dive in, participate as we bring ourselves into that experience and we focus inwards and upwards on that living, loving essence is how we begin to bring ourselves, the soul, into the living truth of that living word that is God and God's loving. Not just as a belief, not just as words, but as true living, loving experience that is beyond the mind, the emotions, and the body. That's what this is about. That we 
by our own choosing, focus into and participate in that living, loving essence that is God, that is the Spirit, that is beyond all this creation. That's all we have to do. Is it really that simple, Brian? Yes, it's really that simple. But can we do it long enough? Can we hold our attention and allow ourselves to really live in that stream of loving that we call the river of loving and many other names? We hold ourselves long enough so that that action of loving can truly awaken us and bring us into that soul flight that which gives the soul flight and freedom from the gravitational pull of the karmas in the world. That's what the power of that name is, is that power of loving that gives the soul the opportunity, the essence, the energy to be able to keep stepping forward, to unstick itself, to take flight and rise above all the elements of the world, and even the mind itself. But that's the ultimate challenge, is overcome the mind. Because the mind will do everything it can to get us to keep focusing into the mind itself. Through a bunch of words, through a bunch of images, a bunch of feelings. And we've known that for so long, we've forgotten that which lies beyond in the truth of spirit. And so we do find it challenging, even once we've been initiated, once we've been given the name and the power that comes in that name. Because it is a journey. We're journeying now back through all those things that would get us caught up and stuck in this world or these worlds. So as we keep coming back over and over to loving God inside, is how we build that power. Each time we meditate, eyes open, eyes closed. What is meditation? Focusing on loving God. Standing up, sitting down, laying down, eyes open, eyes closed, anywhere, anytime. It's loving God. So the more we focus inwards to that action of loving, the more we allow the power of that living, loving essence to awaken, to expand, to grow within us. And the more that takes place, the lighter the load becomes that those elements of the world are just released. Why? Simply because we are choosing to live the loving and let go of the elements of the world. That's why I like to take that phrase, let go and let God, and reverse it and say, let God and let go. Because as we choose the loving, we're letting God. And automatically, as we choose the loving, the letting go, the releasing takes place. Just because we are choosing not to focus into those elements of the world any longer. 
That's the simplicity of this. But yet, in truth, there is more. It really is that simple where we focus. But the more that is in that truth is that which we focus upon, in this case, that loving name. That that power in that name is the very essence that does bring the soul home and lift us above the mind and all of its elements in the world. That is the river of loving. That is the sound current. That is this path of sound and light. That is God's Holy Spirit, God's voice that is calling us home. And so, as we participate with that, we allow that voice of God, the hand of God, the living, loving essence of God to bring us, the living, loving essence that is the soul, back into its true, full experience of itself in what we call the soul realm. And then even beyond that, back into the oneness with God itself in the realms of spirit, beyond the individualized spark, back into the ocean where the drop becomes one. That's the greater truth that's going on here. So yes, it's simple, but yet this pathway really is so powerful and so vast and so much greater in this realm of time and space. But that's the joy of the discovery as we journey upon this pathway of awakening, is that we come into the experience that is beyond this realm of time and space, this realm of reflection. Here we get to participate in the reflection of what's above. As above, so below. But in this journey, when we awaken, we get to participate directly with the above, the truth, rather than the reflection. And it is that truth that is the soul's return, the homecoming, the return of the prodigal son, in which we come home to the true creation of God's being. So remember, don't stop until it's done. And then when it's done, you're going to keep on going and you realize there never was a beginning and there never was an end. It's this one continual journey, always has been and always will be. And so even now, even if we find ourselves experiencing being stuck, there's still movement. Look at you, you even got here to this room today, didn't you? Those that will hear this on a CD or on the website, you're listening, aren't you? So there's movement. Even when we're stuck, that's an illusion. There's no truth in birth and death. There's no truth in being stuck. There's no truth in being alone. There's no truth in belief systems and fears and judgments. Those are all part of the illusion. They give the appearance of being stuck or nothing's going on or I'm entrapped, this is all there is, I'm alone. They give the appearance of that. 
And so the journey of awakening is simply the journey of rising above appearances. Don't judge the book by its cover, right? That's right. Open the cover. Start reading the pages. Because that's the book of your own life. The journey of your soul. And that's where the discovery is. Is in reading that book. And awakening to the truth that lies within those pages of your own journey. But that journey is one of experience. So no matter how much, no matter how much, you listen to our words or read the books, the scriptures of all the teachers through the ages, that's not going to do it. Those words just simply give the direction. They point the way. It is by applying those words and beginning to have our own experience do we really come to know this greater truth of which is spoken of. Remember that. Always go for your own experience. Don't avoid. Don't avoid. But allow yourself to participate in the good and the bad in this world. Because in spirit, it's all good. And so allow yourself the goodness of all experience, no matter what it looks, feels, or sounds like. Allow yourself the experience of it all. In truth, you can't avoid it. How often have you tried avoiding the bad, yet to find yourself caught up in it and going through hell? I don't know anybody who hasn't experienced that. So why avoid it? Why judge it? Why fear it? And I mean it. Why fear it? Because you've been in it, you've been through it, and you're okay after you get through it. It doesn't feel like it when you're in it, but once you're beyond it, you're okay, right? So what the heck was there to fear in the first place? Fear is just simply another one of those elements that keeps the soul focused into the world to experience the illusion, the reflection. So whenever you find yourself coming into the experience of fear, no matter what it looks, sounds, or feels like, begin to love the fear. Accept the fear, just as it is. I'm aware of you, fear, running right inside of me now, giving me this anxiety. And I love you, just as you are. Because I know within me, you're simply an illusion, a reflection, an element of this world blessing me by bringing me into experience so my, jo my soul may fulfill its journey through this experience. So buy into the fear. Have fun with it for your experience. But when that time comes, when you want to experience something different, then begin to love the fear. Because if you love the fear, what are you participating in then? Love. Participate in the loving and that loving will just dissolve the illusion of what we call fear. And when that illusion dissolves, we know the greater truth of spirit. And that truth is the greatest power that is in that name, which is loving itself 
Loving itself is the power of the name. That is what sets the soul free and brings the soul home back into the realms of spirit in the truth itself out of these worlds of illusion and reflection. But who am I to say what that truth is? Well, I am a child of God, just like you. That's who I am to say. And I know that truth. And it is my hope and wish and sincere desire that you come to know that truth for yourself. 